The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome to the Ask Dr. Dream show where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm your host, Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden. So grateful to be with the wonderful people of Unity Online Radio. A big shout out to Louie for just having such a beautiful juggling act behind the scenes and a big hug to Diane Ray and to Jeff and so many wonderful people back there. And I want to thank all of you for listening and especially those of you who have been really participating in this, this new series that I've been creating for you, the searching for Satya series, the, the search for the girl with the blue ukulele um, I really appreciate everyone's dreaming and insights and intuition and psychic connections. I feel like something something is unraveling here and um and I know it's good and i and I've heard some good things from Sharon, the mom, that even though this is an unthinkably difficult situation, if you're new to this, it's her this woman's daughter has been missing for nine years and we're helping to find her using all the resources we have here that I have here on this show. Anyway, um, every once in a while I get a call from Sharon and she's feeling it. She's feeling these bursts of love. She's feeling the the good vibes that are the prayers that are being sent to her. It's making a difference. So I just want you all to know that we can't control whether or not we physically find Tess or Satya, but we have much to say about what happens on the inner plane, about being able to find this aspect of ourselves and being able to send healing, love and light to the people in our lives who are have been missing and to, and to Sharon and her daughter Tess or Satya. Um, we can, there's a lot we can do from just where we are without having to run around and go crazy. And then there's some of us who are moved to actually go up to Santa Cruz and ask some questions. I know some people who are doing that. So whether you are called to be to work on the physical plane or the astral plane or the dream plane, I just thank you so much. So let's um I'm going to read the luminous humanness quote for the day, do a little prayer and then introduce you to um, my very interesting guest who you're going to love. So the luminous humanness thought for the day is for August 18th, if you're listening live, it's stick my neck out, even if it doesn't work out. Now tell me that doesn't completely fit what we're doing here. The way of luminous humanness is not always safe, squeaky, clean, manicured, or perfectly straight. It's more like finding the flow, saying yes to it, stepping in and following where it leads, even if it's far from where the rest of the world resides. And you're dancing to a different rhythm than the rest of the crowd that maybe they've ever even heard. 
becoming luminous in your humanness sometimes requires a degree of superhuman boldness. Wearing your heart on your sleeve as you take a leap of faith over tall buildings, growing your wings as you fly, and sometimes, yes, falling splat. However, falling splat, though uncomfortable, mostly just for the ego, isn't so painful when you've dedicated your life to exploring the edge of what it means to be a spiritual being thriving in a human experience. Affirmation, my pain is never in vain. So I throw myself fearlessly into the open arms of life. So with that, I just invite you to turn within for a moment and take a breath with me as we just cast ourselves deeply into the open arms of unconditional love that are holding us. When we take one step towards this love, it takes a hundred and maybe a thousand steps toward us. So let's just fill ourselves up. Let's become immersed in that light that lights up this world, the love that permeates all the hearts in this world, whether we know where they are physically or not. So let's just allow ourselves to be deluged, drenched in this, this higher consciousness. Let's call to mind the dreams we've been having of late, whether they seem related at all to our search for the girl with the blue ukulele, or whether they seem like they're very just personal for us. Let's call them to mind, at least one in particular, one that makes you curious, one that that that's tugging at you. And perhaps you'll call on the second half of the show and share that with me. Ah, so with this, we give thanks for all the myriad blessings in our lives, far too many to ever count, even if we're going through a really difficult time right now. The blessings are greater than the challenges by far. And when we're gathered like this virtually, we we magnify those blessings. So I'm just grateful for this, for the dream maker, and for this beautiful lucid dream we're all currently having together right here and right now. So with this, I just want to introduce you to, ah, coming out of the prayer, Elias Lonsdale. So Tess, the girl with the blue ukulele, I found out from Sharon Barry, the mother, that Elias was one of the last people she knew of that she knew of that spoke with Tess. And he was her astrologer and counselor. And he was kind enough to let me speak to him and kind of pick his brain and and see what he knew since he had a very intimate relationship with her right towards the end. So I think you'll find this interview interesting. So hold with me and we'll talk about this um, at the other end of this. All right. So Louie, take it away. Everyone meet Elias Lonsdale talking about Tess Lerner, aka Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. This call is being recorded. Hi. Hi. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, it's just been a crazy day, but I'm I'm fine. I can talk. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you taking a little time. So I recently have gotten to know um, Sharon. She's a neighbor of mine. That's um, Satya's mom. 
And yes. she recently told me about how she's been looking for her daughter for the last nine years. And I've just, so I've, this is all relatively new to me. And I have a podcast and I maybe I'm going to see what I can do, but I, I want to, I want to help her if I can get some kind of answers, some kind of solutions. And I'm, and I'm just open to having some conversations and kind of expanding, I don't know, using the resources that I have to see if I can help in some way at all. So I, I she said that you might be somebody to talk to because you, you had had a lot of conversations with Tess and she kind of went to you as a, you're her astrologer or kind of a guide. Yes. I was hoping you might yeah. be able to shed some light on, on kind of where, you know, what you know about her in terms of any information that could be helpful in giving us some insight into, into her, where she might be, what you think, you know, I'm open to all of it. So, um, What's your opinion yeah. on this whole thing? Um, let me just say ahead of time that I don't know much about the the underworld that she disappeared into. Supposedly, I um, I'm not that familiar with it. So, uh, okay. I what I'm fam- familiar with is her, the way she was up till nine years ago, um, for a little while, and. Um, he for, first we did a reading. Um, I I'm almost positive it was a phone reading. I don't think I've ever met. Her. Yeah, no, I haven't met her. Um, Bruce Scott, the man that I kind of turned on to her, uh, he met her mm. and talked to me about her a little bit. Be, you know, mm. he died years ago, uh, and um, so I, I got some impression, but I, I never met her. But she called me, um, I'm going to guess, 10 times uh, mm-hmm. over a period of a couple of years. And okay. mostly mostly in a brief period of time when she was panicking and mm-hmm. feeling lost and feeling uh, mm-hmm. extremely paranoid. Um, oh. And, yeah, she was really freaking out, to use that expression. Um, uh-huh. She was not not having an easy time at all. Um, and this is after she left or before? This this is before she disappeared. Okay. Okay. All all I know is that suddenly she disappeared and nobody could track her. But just before that happened. Uh, she was spending a month or two uh, desperately calling around to whoever might help her. And I don't know much about this, but I know that there was, she was telling me that there was an uncle of hers who uh, she was turning to. uh, I think wherever that uncle lives, that's the area where she was. Um, And she, she was, um, simultaneously feeling like her uncle was someone who could really help her and also she didn't trust him. Uh, But that doesn't tell us that much because she was really in a space where she didn't know if she could trust anybody. Mm. Mm. Okay. And Mm. she, um, you know, 
the way I would put it is that she um, she was just afraid of a lot of things. Um, and because she is a highly intelligent and um, aware person, she was in and out of lucid states where she would know more about what she was going through than other times. Uh, but she definitely was um, losing her bearings, you could say. <clears throat> and right at that point, have you been told about Bruce Scott at all? Is he the doctor? Is he the therapist? I don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, Is he the one that came to live with Sharon? Bruce? Yes, yes, yes. I think so. Yes. Yes. Okay, so he's the one that it's a Bruce Scott. Yeah, and okay, Bruce was a longtime friend of mine, and. Uh, I I suggested that he talk with her because uh, several times several times during the course of um my friendship with Bruce, which started in the mid nineteen eighties, um I had I was aware that he specialized in helping people that nobody else could help. Ah oh wow. Okay. Particularly people who were younger. Uh huh. Um, and he he made himself available to them. And I don't know the details of her how she connected with him, but I do know that he um, met with her. I think in Santa Cruz, but I'm not sure. And um, he was hot on her case, you could say, more so than I was. And he was trying very hard to, I'm going to put this in a loaded way, to protect her yeah. from her own fears. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and he, Bruce is somebody who really could listen. That, and and if ever I met anybody who needed somebody to listen, it was her. Mm. So mm. it would mostly be her ranting or talking or rapping or whatever uh, mm. about everything that she was going through. Mm -hmm. and, and so he was the one who listened to her the most. Um, and And I can only say that he felt hopeful about her. I know that he, he uh -huh. felt that, that she could come through this, whatever she was going through. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what she was going through, but I would say she was, mm. um, just afraid of everything. Mm. Wow. And, um, and so Bruce helped a lot. And what I tended to do, after our initial reading um, was mostly just to listen to her and try to reason with her a little bit, depending on what state she was in. Um, but I, I couldn't really, I didn't really know what to do because she, mm -hmm. she just wasn't 
um, she wasn't able to um, find a positive relation to things. Oh, she was she was pretty negative. Mm. Can you remember any of the things that she would like say repeatedly, or like what she would rant about? I you said it like fear a fearful of everything, but was there any well, patterns? Well, yeah, a she. While ago? Okay, so she was trying to always trying to track with her own experience by writing about it. And yes. so she wrote, I guess you would call them journals, I'm not sure, but something like that. Um, yes. A lot, you know. And yes. she was often referring to what she wrote. And my feeling was that that was her lifeline was the fact that she could write everything down and in a sense listen to herself and not just act out whatever she would act out. Um, so she was definitely a writer um, yeah. and a an introspective person. And what she was ranting about, as I remember, was that nobody understood her mm. and nobody really wanted to deal with her. Mm. That's mm. in her perception. And she was pretty convinced of it. Uh, mm. she, she was a difficult person for people to deal with. So, you know, I'm sure she had some basis in that. Because she had a way of... T- talking very compulsively. Mm, like like know, she, she would talk about it. She, she would keep at it. She would talk about something and she would just keep at it. And um, she just was um, very upset with the state of the world. Uh, she like was... Climate change, the president or like the news or... Yeah, like, like the of that was happening. Ten years ago, um, yes, yeah, she was right. She was concerned about everything. Um, she felt like the world was going in a bad direction, mm-hmm. and that, and personally, she felt like people were couldn't deal with her. Um, mm-hmm. And so, what would happen is, I don't know who this uncle was, but she would spend some time with her uncle and then after a while um, it wouldn't turn out too well because she didn't um, have a she didn't exactly have good interpersonal skills let's put it that way Ah, mm. okay (laughs) and I think she you know probably impressed people as being a little crazy and I think she had a couple of friends, and she would try to go to them or talk with them. But in general, she felt very alone. Right. What do you think, like if you, I mean, not an official diagnosis, obviously, but if you had to kind of 
guess what her diagnosis would be? What would you what would you guess? Um oh I don't know, something like a borderline personality. Okay. Did you see anything astrologically in her chart that explained any of these things? So she was drawn to darkness. She mm. was drawn to shadow. She was fascinated by things that were the kind of thing that most people avoid. Um, like what? Like especially what? in her mind. Um, mm. She was drawn to people who were um, more um, either down and out or real characters. Uh, mm. She was she was basically extremely rebellious. Mm-hmm. And she did not... I think the main reason she couldn't stay around her mother's world was that her mother was sort of too positive a person for her. And she mm-hmm. she she wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. kind of drop out of regular world and be in a in more of a world of people like her, which means people who who mm. couldn't fit in with the regular world. Wow. And so there's like a darker world, and you said that from kind of the beginning. Did she say, that, did she say something about where she was going to go or who she was going to be with? Did she say any no, more but, like a general um, thing? My hit at the time because Bruce and I talked about it shortly after she disappeared or whatever she did. Um, you know, we were both trying to tune into what was going on. And um, th- there were two, there were two things that were seemed likely or possible. Um, okay. One was that she would, the most likely was that she would find a group of people who were maybe in her age group, for example, um, uh-huh. who who were living underground, who who were living in a way where um, the regular world didn't even know that they existed. Mm, okay. And it felt like she might well be drawn into such such a reality. Uh, again, I said at the beginning, I don't know much about that in any particular way. Right. Um, and I don't know anybody who has come back from that and told me about it. Um, mm. So I, I can't say that I'm some expert about that. But it just seems right. reasonable that she could find that. Do you think like, um, in the Santa Cruz area that that would be where? I mean, I it seems like Santa Cruz. It seems like Santa Cruz was where she launched from, yeah. Uh-huh. Or if not Santa Cruz, somewhere around there. I lived in the yeah. Santa Cruz Mountains for over 21 years. I know that area really well. And mm-hmm. um, and basically, it's it's an area, in most ways, it's just like any other area in California, but it does have a bit of a, reputation for, you know, things being 
I don't know how to put it. There being things that go on that people don't even know about. Like what? Well, um, I think mainly that um, it's a place that you could kind of get lost. I mean, if you wanted to. And I don't know much about it because, see, I, I wasn't very interested in that myself. Um, yeah. But it just feels like that. You know, more so than, let's say, San Jose, which is a, across the hill and is re- really a regular place. Right. Uh, Santa right. Cruz. Santa Cruz is pretty wild. I do know that in Bonnie Dune, where I spent some time up in the mountains, there just is a feeling like you could disappear there somehow. Okay. So that was Elias Lonsdale, Tess's personal astrologer, and who had quite a bit of contact with her. I've got more to share with you on the other side of this break that's coming up. But um, I'm. this is probably my fifth time listening to this, and there's all kinds of new things that I'm really hearing. Let me just tell you a little bit about him if you want his website. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about, we're going to hear more from from him on the other side of the break, but also I'll take, um, there will be some time to take your dreams and talk about that. His website is stargenesiswisdom.com, stargenesiswisdom.com. And he's got a book called 360 Degrees of Your Star Destiny. It actually comes out this month. So Elias Lonsdale, I just feel really grateful that he took some time to talk with me. And also, um, I just found it interesting that he, there's a lot of generous people that I'm, that I'm finding along this path. And I, I don't tend to approach people thinking that they're, they're guilty before proven innocent. I give them the benefit of the doubt. Some people have heard this interview and said, oh my God, he knows more. You know, But I think, I think he's a good guy. I think he's, he's helping with all that he's got. And most of these sessions that he gave to Tess for hours and hours were, were pro bono. So this is a generous guy. And there's more information that I think gives us, leads us to more specific details about where we might find her. And that comes up in this next side. Also, we're going to hear from you in your dreams. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on Ask Dr. Dream, this special series called Searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. We'll be right back. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Dream interpretation and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome back to the Ask Dr. Dream show where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden, and so great to be here with you on the second half of the show. This is episode five of Searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele, and you were hearing in the first part of the show 
<clears throat> a pre-recorded interview I did with Elias Lonsdale, the astrologer that worked with Tess right before, um, over the last, over two years before she disappeared. And we've got more information from him in this next part of the interview. Just wanted to give you his website. It's StarGenesisWisdom.com. And his new book that comes out this month is 30, 360 Degrees of Your Star Destiny. So I will take your dreams as soon as we hear the remaining part of this interview. Listen tight because there's some clues I think we can follow to lead us closer um, to finding Satya. So take it away, Louis. I didn't get much of a sense that she was doing drugs. I, um, I think she would probably be afraid of drugs. Um, you know, that she would, wouldn't be able to handle them. Um, but if she started acting out and really going into it, then she could take drugs. But no, I wouldn't say she was... She didn't have addictions. She just had... Um, how should I put it, a very critical mind, a very, very, um, you know, kind of the kind of mind that is always picking out what's wrong with the world. Oh, did she say anything about like that she had always been that way or was it just, was it prompted by something? Did you get a Oh, I, I think she was, way? I think she was going through a very difficult time that that it hadn't always been like that. Oh, I think that she, yeah, I think that she was, um, for one reason or another, losing her faith and confidence in herself, in the world, in things. She was just becoming very negative. Do you know what might have prompted that? Like you said, that it was like a period. Oh, of just just that she. Everything was relationships for her. So probably okay. some connection with somebody that didn't go the way she wo- she hoped it would. Like a boyfriend? Yeah. Did she did she ever talk about that? Like a, a guy that I she don't, was seeing? Or I don't think so. I don't think so. Do you intuitively, since you kind of had a connection with her, do you have a a feeling like just to be kind of blunt about it like do you feel like she's still with us do you feel of course you can't know necessarily but do you feel like she's still here or do you feel like maybe she's not here yeah I've debated that over the years a little bit I've tried mm-hmm. to look at it one way or the other um mm-hmm. I don't think she killed herself and I don't think Mm -hmm. she drew to herself somebody else who would do it for her. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm going to opt for that she found Mm -hmm. some underground world and she's been in it ever since. The Mm -hmm. the one thing is that she did have a very secretive nature and Mm -hmm. so it would be fairly easy to imagine that if she did disappear into some group of people or whatever, that she wouldn't want to be traced. Um, you know, that she wouldn't, she wouldn't, um, she would just, that would be it. 
Do you know of anybody else that this has happened to, like in the Santa Cruz area where there's maybe like, I don't know, any leads about like where those groups might congregate or what they might be called or any particular leaders? No, no. The only thing is that, um, no, unfortunately the thing is that I have a, a really strong instinct mm. to stay away mm-hmm. from anything like that. Um, mm. Right. And um, like from your own your own inner guidance, your own kind of self preservation, or what you're drawn to and what you're mm. not. Drawn to. Yes, it's the same reason why when I was a hippie, I avoided all heavy drugs. Uh, because I knew that that would really be damaging. And so people who mm-hmm. around me who going in the direction of cocaine and stuff like that, I just wanted nothing to do with them. And I could yeah. easily have gone that way, but I just knew, you know, I never tried cocaine, never. And I knew I wasn't going to mm-hmm. try it a single time because I didn't want to know mm-hmm. whether it would hook me. You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of my instinct with everything. So I'm a little bit of a, mm-hmm. you know, a, sort of a positive-oriented person, and I don't yeah. like to right. get too caught up in the dark. In fact, mm-hmm. I think I failed, to be honest, I think I failed Tess Lerner a bit because mm-hmm. she perceived me as a renegade mm-hmm. person, which I am. I definitely am. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't quite renegade enough for her. And I can even imagine that maybe Bruce wasn't either because uh, Bruce was a very, very reasonable, soft, loving kind of person. He's like a big bear. Um, And neither of us was really uh, street smart. I do feel for people who are lost in the dark, and I have a little history with them, but Tess was not a good example of where I could do my best work because she she was very martyred to her experience. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Get it. Okay. Very martyred. 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 So oh, interesting. Basically you had to agree with her and you had to make her right about everything. Oh, interesting. So not necessarily... Okay, keep going. I probably didn't do enough of that for her. Like you were trying to guide her to a a higher place or a... Well, I think I... I slightly underestimated just how far she was taking this. And I, in a way, didn't fully say, listen, you're really in danger here. You're you're taking this too far. I didn't say anything like that. I, I was mm-hmm. just tuning into her and trying to be company and be her sounding board. Well, keeping rapport, which it's yeah. a trade-off. Because if you say that you're in danger here, she might say, okay, bye, and... Oh yeah, there there was there was nothing I could have said like that that she would have put up with. Uh Aha. 
So how was the, how did it go at the end? I mean, what was the final um, there, there wasn't like? really, there wasn't really an end. I, um, I, the only thing I can say about that is that um, at the very end, she wasn't talking to me. Um, oh. And, uh, yeah, she was, I think she was still talking to Bruce. I'm imagining that if she started really getting into a dark space, she would not want to talk with me. Could she, because because she would feel like you weren't getting her, or she'd well, I I wasn't alone, or what? I wasn't quite fully tolerant of her ah. her her paranoid rants. There there was a way in which I think toward the end I was really having trouble with the fact that she um, mm. wasn't coming around and wasn't uh-huh. um, mm. she wasn't I don't know going anywhere with it like not being not coachable not was she yeah like, yes yeah, yeah she, she I could not do do for do much for her I mean, I thought I should, but but I couldn't because she she really um, she could definitely see me as a positive figure in her life, but but I was not following her dark track very well. Right. Well, if she wasn't necessarily open to finding a solution, I could see how that would get. That would get exhausting. Oh, she kind of she did not want she did not want a solution. She wanted to um, mm. just experience things and see where they went. But you have to uh, realize that that she was also extremely upset with herself because okay. she couldn't get herself mm. to um, get on any positive track. So she, you know, she felt both ways. So on a whew, on a slightly different tact, um, when did so her mom said and that that her car was found with all of her belongings in it except for her blue ukulele. Did you ever know anything about her ukulele or about her musical gifts? Did she ever share anything no. with you? No, she mentioned something. She definitely mentioned something about it, but no, I don't remember. Mm. Yeah, she had a beautiful voice, and apparently was, you know, I, there's a song that her mom shared with me, and it was just could have been on the radio. It was like, yeah, I remember something about there was some song that she was sharing with me at some point that was really haunting. Mm. Like one that she wrote? Yeah. Yeah, she, when I say she was writing in this journal all the time, she was also writing songs. Uh-huh. Mm. So uh, this is kind of like from a, a metaphysical place, not physical necessarily, but like knowing all that you know now and knowing that she did and that she did disappear, is there anything that that you would have or could have or you think should have done different or is there anything else that 
like on a parallel plane that you would, I don't know, wish for or um, want to Yeah, I, I definitely... Have? I definitely wish that I had, I don't know, in some way really spoken with her more deeply and intensively. And um, I think I I got too convinced that she wouldn't listen to me and I I didn't do enough. I just, yeah, I just wish I'd been more... Um, Responsive to the the scream, the cry in her. What would you have done? Like if you had it to do over, like. Well, I would have. I would have listened to her a little bit more deeply and willingly. I I was fighting with Mm. myself about her Ah. more so than with anybody else. This was unusual. She just. How shall I put this? She. Pushed all my buttons. Ah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yes, yeah, because she was... You have to understand that these phone conversations, I remember how I would talk with her for like an hour at least, mm-hmm. and I would always feel terrible afterwards. Just terrible. Oh. It, it just wow. it absolutely uh, devastated me because oh. she was so... So um, caught in this, like this downward spiral. And was there ever, like, was there ever little signs of hope, or was it just always pretty dark the whole time? Oh, oh yeah, of course there were signs of hope. She okay. um, she rallied herself many times over. It um, she she was very 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 moody. And so every time I talked to her, it was different. I'm making it sound like it was always the same. It wasn't always the same, but there was this tone, this kind of grieving, you know, feeling like she's the victim and feeling like the world is against her. And there was that grieving tone, that complaining tone. But she was always trying to pull herself out of it. And she had tremendous spiritual resources. So I always felt like she could, I mean, she wrote brilliantly. Um, I always felt like she could, she could come through. Mm. What do you, I know that she became, um, she was a yoga instructor. So was that one of her tools? Do you think that was something that gave her some peace or? Oh, sure. One of her spiritual tools that you know of. I don't know what I remember is that she was very aware that she had a capacity to help other people quite a bit and that she uh-huh. okay um, mm-hmm. she, she just cared about people particularly people who were having a really hard time is there anything else you think I should know or that would be helpful just to kind of complete the profile of kind of getting in into the, into her world? And um, is there anything else? About the only thing I can say is that if she did go into an underworld group 
of some kind, like you read about in certain books. You know, I'm talking about novels, novels yeah. about, you know, mm-hmm. dystopias and the world of, yeah. you know, tomorrow and with, with such groups. I mean, kind of like that. If she did go into one of those groups and um, disappear into it, it's very possible in my mind that she would have done well there and that she would have found real friends and that she could sustain a life on her own, so to speak, in a different reality. So I don't know for sure that that's what happened, but it certainly is feasible, is possible. If you were going to try to explore any of these groups, where, how, what, what do you think a first step would be? I mean, besides like physically being up there in, in the area like Ben Lomond, do you think that would be a place to start or how would you find um, it? Like? Well, probably you would have to start with um, people who live on the streets, but particularly p- younger people who live on the street, people who yeah. are in her age group or a little younger, or a little older or whatever, but not so much just in general, but Right. a younger crowd of street people. Mhm. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. In what what town? Like what if you were going to pick one? Obviously it's I'm not holding you to anything at all, but well, you could start with Santa Cruz. Well, Elias, I really deeply appreciate you. And thank you for, you know, even just helping a fellow human and giving so much of your time and your energy and your love and, and all that you had. And I, I, I wish I had a magic wand and I could absolve you of any guilt and any should. Sounds like you, you went above and beyond. And, you know, that's all you can do. So, thank yes. you. Thank, thank you. Okay. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. So that was Elias Lonsdale and his website is stargenesiswisdom.com. His new book is 360 Degrees of Your Star Destiny. So pretty interesting, eh? Okay. So let's get as many of your questions in here as possible. And um, I see you, Denise, let's go. I know you've got a quick dream to share. So let it rip, honey. What's on your heart? Thank you. Yes. Um, it was a little short dream. Like I said, more imagery. It was still a dream. Um, I was with, like, I want to say definitely two women, two women, but it wasn't a shoe store. But somehow or another, we got into um, switching sho- or me taking off my shoes and trying on the one lady shoe. And the one lady used to be a, a high-ranking person in the organization that I used to work for. Very powerful, very, um, oh, just no, not, well, she had a role. But she played her role very well, and just not, um, just no nonsense. When you saw her, mm. just got a little, you know, you respected her and the rank that she was in. But kind of always liked her style, just no nonsense. But anyway, um, I tried on her shoes, and they were just too big. I really didn't like the style. I think it was like a wedge. I don't like <laughs> wedge heel shoes. But anyway, at any rate, I tried on the shoes, and I was like, no, these are too big, and okay. that was it. 
that was literally it. And she looked okay. at me like, So here's my quick little you? nutshell, if it were my dream. I love this dream because everyone in the dream is always us. But especially in this dream where you're trying on someone else's shoes, I think of it as like walking, being willing to walk 20 miles in someone else's moccasins. In her case, it was two, it was two big sized wedges. And so it feels like if it were mine, I'm trying to, I'm trying on a more non, no nonsense approach, stepping into oh. maybe more of my authority, maybe the more logical aspect of me. But right now it feels a little too big. Maybe it feels a little bit too much, but it's something to maybe grow into. It's not exactly my style, but isn't that the way of it? Even with this show, it's like we're understanding, trying to walk in the shoes of this girl who's gone missing, trying to understand. Mm -hmm. And even the word understand means to get grounded, to go underneath and, and really get it. So to me, I feel like this is one of those kind of dreams and it's about getting maybe in closer step to that aspect of you that is more no nonsense and maybe more of an authority figure that's respectful. How does that feel? Oh, yes, I agree. Awesome, Denise. Very cool. I always love your Thank dreams you. and they always do bring us closer and they're bringing us inside and to understand so we can walk 20 miles and in this other woman's moccasins, even though um, it seems like a very different archetype, but I appreciate you so much. Thanks for, so I'm going to, I'm going to put you back on hold so you can keep hearing, but keep on calling in with your dreams. I always love them. Thank you. Okay. Miss Leilani, tell me what's on your heart today. Leilani love. Hello. Hi. Wow, that interview was amazing. Mm, uh, glad you liked it. Interesting, eh? Very interesting. You know, one thing I've learned about indigos, which were the first wave of, I would call, um, higher higher elevation souls incarnating to this realm. Mm-hmm. Um, indigos, they had have an energy of anger they come in to kind of buck the system to kind of shake things up uh i dated an indigo years ago and as a child he one day in school just the teacher said something to him and he literally threw his desk wow Uh, he thought you know, why am I studying all this? This is ridiculous. Like, right. let's, let's talk about deeper things. And definitely he had to get help with his anger. But uh, yeah, that interview was fascinating. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this. There's been people in my life, and I've shared with you before, that have just disappeared. This this yeah. couple that I knew from college. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like my family, best friends, very close. And one day just got an email from her saying no longer want to be your friend. And I'm still dreaming about them. It's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the I want to reach out to the daughter, but I don't think it's appropriate. Uh, the daughter just graduated from high school. And uh, I think there's a lot going on in the collective that needs to heal with regard to people just kind of up and disappearing. Yeah. Uh, I know, too, there's ghosting happening now in mm-hmm. romantic relationships. Uh, that's happening to a close friend of mine where men just all of a sudden disappear. No explanation, no 
no phone call, no text saying, hey, this isn't working for me, got to go, just literally disappearing. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that as much as, and you and I have talked about this, we're dialing in deeply specifically to helping find this one young woman. And at the same time, this is a big issue on so many levels, the part of ourselves that's gone missing. And there are so many people that just take off. And there's something so disturbing about that. One of my dear friends, Aspen Mattis, her her latest book, Your Blue Is Not My Blue, it's a missing person memoir where her husband just up and left and was gone mm. for several years. And she did eventually find him. Oops, I'm giving that away. Shoot, you got to read the book to find out how that comes together. But it okay. is psychologically, spiritually, it's devastating. There's some part of us that there is an expectation that when we love someone and we have a bond, that if we do go away, we'll at least let people know where it's going to be. And but but even that, like you were you were contacted and they told you we're now going. But still, there's something so incomplete about that. Um, and even in relationships where there is a complete breakup, it's still devastating to us. I still dream about the very first guy that 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 said, okay, that's it. We're done. And it's like, I'm still rocked by that so many Mm -hmm. decades later. So I think that we, we do need to come to terms with letting people have their path and also finding our peace no matter what. And in some cases finding them. So the plot thickens. Let's continue to do this work. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you everyone for listening. I can't believe the show is over already. We've got more to come in the next episode of searching for Satya, the girl with the blue ukulele. Keep dreaming. Don't take your dreams lying down. I can't wait to hear from you next week. Sweet dreams. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.